What is up? Welcome to episode number 260 of On the Corner, the official Patrolist.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. Joined, as always, by the cruel, relentless man himself, Nick Pollock. What is happening? Yeah, we are doing this live today on twitch.tv slash pitcherlist and actually on uh, Periscope with Twitter. And I have my green screen up. I decided, you know what? What Fast needs to see right now is the 2016 ALDS Orioles Blue Jays game. Why? You know? Why? Who? who uh, why did you wake up and choose violence today? <laughs> because, I mean, like, what else am I going to put on behind me? Fast? Things like, that hmm. would make me not mad. <laughs> I, I mean, you should feel good that we know better now. What? Like, if you could have chosen the Delman Young double. He had a double? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. We're not going to waste time talking about all the past no. failures of the Baltimore Orioles. We've got mm-hmm. a lot of very fun stuff to talk about today because you're here so we could talk about the list, right? That's yes. what we want to hear about. Sadly, I can't be there with you in person no, today. I'm really spending spending the week in Jersey with my in-laws this week, but that's okay. Next week, we'll be back together and we're still going to have a high octane podcast today I'll, to talk to you about. I'll stuff. be honest. I think everyone is just upset. There's no base hits today. I understand that and i felt bad as well i should have brought my base here with me but next week they're gonna get double the base hits not a double base hit because i'm not as good on the upright that's i don't have the hands mm, for an upright sure, sure. like you need the kind of big hands for that upright. what about what, what about the double kick though the double kick drum yeah double base. i've got i definitely have restless leg syndrome so i think i can Same. destroy a double oh, kick yeah. drum but once again you're not here to talk about our musical no. instruments <laughs> you're here to talk about all the great <laughs> things that we're going to talk about today but before we get into that you really got to be on pl plus you got to mm. be checking out the first pitch podcast this morning yes. we've had special guests doing it on the weekends and they've been crushing it and if you haven't been paying attention to nick on his daily streams it's kind of like videodrome he only sort of exists in a in a, in weekly weird smut videos no, i'm kidding what? <laughs> where you, is this you, going have fast? you ever seen video drum no you've never seen video drum no oh man or you know that's my michael govier impression oh man <laughs> i love well that done. man thank yeah, you it's great uh all right so <laughs> we're gonna get the video drum later of course but yeah when are you streaming when are you streaming that people can watch every weekday morning 8 30 to 11 a.m eastern time so definitely tune in for that and go over the first pitch podcast do a video breakdown of a pitcher go over all the streaming rankings but i'm really considering it my office hours i've felt kind of guilty that i haven't had as much time as i used to to answer the the, uh, the comments on the articles and on twitter and stuff like that and i've realized that you know what let's just make this kind of like you know here are my office hours if you have questions which i want you to have and i love answering them that's the best place to do it it's absolutely free just show up and you can ask any questions you want so 8:30 a.m. to 11 a.m. monday through friday I did a 4 hour stream today from 12 to 4 and now i'm back at it again yeah three streams in one day fast your bananas you let's exist do it. Twitch. just in a computer twitch.tv slash pitch let's go check it out and uh, to be honest too so we're actually thinking i should bring this up we're thinking mm. about doing this podcast live now in the room of death that nick is in yes. right now he let me out for the weekend to go to jersey uh but we are okay, probably right. going to do I, those live this bit, i got i gotta nip this <laughs> bit in the bud okay <laughs> you can try it i know because the more fail. you try and nip it the the worse it's gonna come you know <sighs> come back and bite you um all right the last thing i'll say too nick you would be really proud of me do you know what this is an empty cup of uh i don't it is iced coffee because you prefer me to have yes! had some iced coffee yes! before i do the live stream oh, i that. feed off of it i need your yeah. energy yeah okay great well i am i am amped up on the iced coffee <laughs> so you're definitely going to get that energy today and why don't we take this energy and bring it right into the top 100 which mm, you of course put good. out a few hours ago and as you guys remember we're doing this a little bit differently than we've done it in the past we're not going by the biggest risers and the biggest fallers we're going tier by tier so you can break it down with us and we're introducing a new segment <laughs> that i sprung on nick a little while ago where each tier he has to name and tell us what it is now tell this is, tell gonna, us, this is gonna fail by no, the it's way not. no it's not they're gonna be terrible names but okay yeah i'm looking that's, forward to this that's, that's be the success of it i can't wait till sperry turns one into into a video um oh, great yeah great. exactly 
so we're going to kick it off with tier number one. Now, uh, obviously, we've been talking about this for the past two weeks since he's fallen off. Um, Jacob deGrom is back. And as soon as he came back, he was going to return at number one. So there's no big surprise right there. But before we get into the rest of the people in this tier, uh, what is the name of this tier and why is that? So it's called the four aces and the Joker because there's five aces and there's a fake one Uh, because, you know, uh, so Jacob deGrom is back and he's just like, hey, what's up? I'm dope. Um, And Shane Bieber is kind of the Joker because he's not actually acting as that ace, but he deserves to be in that top tier still. So that's a really interesting thing here, too. And uh, first of all, we're already off to a hot start. Hot. You know what I mean? Because it's, all, it's a rem, you know, brings me back to arguably the greatest Wolf Mother song, too, and the Joker and the Thief, oh, which really song, would yeah. be Bieber and, and Verlander. Okay, no. Don't you do that. <laughs> How would you, why would you call it? Oh, man, because he took it from Cole? No, because he took no. it from Cole. Because he took That's the Rick Porcello's name, and you know this. Okay, great. Um, I, I do <laughs> want to bring it back to Bieber for a second, because you're totally right, and there's some really interesting things going on. I mean, I think Tom Tango tweeted something a couple of days ago about the kind of erratic nature of his slider right now, and mm. also his... You know, the fastball Woba is, I think, the highest it's been maybe ever. But the curveball Woba is really what stuck out to me. I was doing some research into curveballs today because of other pitchers. His curveball Woba and X Woba are higher than ever before. He's got like a over 300 X Woba on that curveball. Never really a pitch that's given him a lot of concern. How concerned are you moving forward? Obviously, you well, dropped him a little bit. But, sure. There was uh, but, so the SB Roundup over the weekend. So, if, of course, you're not listening to the SB Roundup, you're doing it wrong. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I go over every single pitcher every single day, and uh, I led with Shane Bieber. Payne Bieber was the name because, yeah, you don't want a 127 whip or uh, something along those lines right now from your ace, from Shane Bieber, first-round pick, right? And the main thing that I saw was he axed this cutter that he had last year. That was a zone-getting pitch. I often talk about in your repertoire, you need your fastball that you feel confident, sure, but you need a secondary pitch you can comfortably throw for a strike. And... uh, Bieber's slider and curveball last year weren't those pitches. Those were just strike-getting pitches, but uh, through whiffs and out of the zone, not, hey, I need a strike. I can throw that in there. He got rid of that cutter, which then opened up the – it was like a void of that pitch inside of his repertoire. So both his curveball and slider are finding themselves inside the zone much more than before. And that's a problem for Bieber. Uh, I think he really works best when he doesn't throw those breaking balls inside the strike zone. He has to do it now. He's getting babbipped a bit from it. Uh, I believe his curveball has a 380 Woba. Uh, sorry, um, babbip at the moment. It could be a slider. One, the two. It's not what we want from Bieber. We want fastballs in the zone and then get guys swinging on that slider and curveball out of the zone. I wonder if he can bring back that cutter to get those strikes. Maybe just turn one of them into the strike-getting pitch and the other into the whiff pitch. But as of now, having them both inside the zone just... I mean, we're talking like 45 to... 50%, not the 35% mark I want for Blake Snell. We're talking mm. like overdoing it in the zone. It's just not what I want right now. I think that's actually messing up Shane Bieber a bit. Yeah, I, I don't I don't blame you. One of the things that uh, I'm not to blame you. I, I think that's a very apt uh, reasoning uh, that you brought up. One of the things that I just remember too, if I recall correctly, he's also been, you know, I like those first pitch curveballs. And if I recall correctly, he's been throwing a good amount of them and they've just been getting destroyed, which is interesting because usually that's kind of a free strike for guys. But I wonder if, you know, usually the case that we see uh, is sometimes guys will get aggressive on first pitches with aces because why would you want to let them get to a two strike count? So it, it, yeah, he's got a, what do you think his, uh, it's a pretty small sample. So I I guess I shouldn't dig into it too much. He's thrown 75 first pitch curveballs, got a 984 Woba, but it's a, it's a very, very, yeah, that's, yeah, it's crazy, but it's got a very, very small sample size there. But either way, I mean, you know, this is why I, I don't love talking about the, the guys too much in the top tiers and everyone can disagree in the comments if they like, but like, you're not, what are you, you going to do? You're not going to get rid of Bieber. You know, you're sure. not going to trade Shane it, Bieber. It, it is a moment. There's something about the list where, yes, I, I, I've said it before while doing the live stream saying, guys, it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, you're not going to get rid of Scherzer or something like that. You know, yeah. me swapping Woodruff and Bueller last week wasn't a big deal, but it is a big deal. You want your guy to be number one or two or three. And I had to put him down to five as you Darvish and Trevor Bauer are both absolutely killing it yeah Uh, they're not only giving you excellent ratios and strikeouts but they're also doing it with volume as well and it was hard to do but yeah Shane Bieber's a five now so 
That's what yeah, it is. I, I usually don't like talking about that garbage person, but I, I just had to make an overlay for him on Wednesday because he's going to be in the ESPN broadcast on Wednesday. Too. Oh, yeah. By the way, watch Sunday Night Baseball with Alex Fast there. Yeah, Sorry, very, I'm just so excited. Very nice. I think there might be one tonight that I did for Quang Young Kim, which was I think is a cool one. His fastball slider actually tunnels better than I thought. But there was an interesting thing from uh, the trash man. Uh, when his fastball cutter and slider, he just set them away outside. And like the way that they crisscross with one another, the way that they just fall off the plate, it is pretty insane to watch. And yeah, Darvish, that two seamer from Darvish last week, I think it was. That may be one of them. Yes. That may be one of one yeah, of the yeah. best pitches of the year so far. Uh, that was just amazing to see. All right, let's move on to the second tier. Uh, what is this called and why is it called that? Uh, it's the full house. Uh, it's another five, but uh, I want to stick with the poker theme. That's where my mind is at right now. <laughs> but it's also because, <laughs> well, it's more so that it's not as good as the five aces really. Right. But it's, it's also that no one else is going to get into it. You know, once it's Scherzer, Woodruff, Bueller, Kershaw, Burns. And I didn't really feel that anyone else could get into that top 10. So, okay, I actually, we're not going to spend too much time in this tier because we have a lot of people to talk about down the list. Changed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the one thing that I do want to talk about, which will bring us into, well, let's start with what is tier three called and why is it called that? And then I'll bring my question back into it. If only. If only. And why is it called? Not why is it called that? Why are these guys there? Yeah, they don't have the uh, quite the overwhelming track record or um, like for each one of these guys. Nola is struggling and uh, Jack Flaherty doesn't quite feel like that guy that we saw the second half of 2019 or Lance Lynn has is getting the pitch counts up, but he's actually not really going like seven or eight innings. Zach Wheeler, we're getting encouraged, but if only he had that slider working and that can be really comfortable with that and so on and so forth. Each of these guys have elements to them that speak to being an ace and they all have the ace is going to ace label but they're not quite that top 10 ace yet and for those those pedantic few what is it that separated burns and nola that made you put that little tear line there i mean nola has allowed i think uh five of his last six games have been at least 300 runs Mm. Um, which isn't what you want he's had a terrible schedule but at the same time um you know someone did make a good point being like if he has aces gonna ace label you're still starting him against tough opponents and you should be able to succeed against them yeah i mean sure you'll have like a couple bad ones that's fine but noah's a little bit off at the moment and i will say he has three pitches at a fastball really it's a four seamer and a sinker both just call it a fastball for now curveball and change up and each one of those can take over in a specific game, which is really good, and has made it so he hasn't had that disastrous outing we've seen from other guys. Yeah. But he hasn't really gone back into a full room where everything is uh, firing in all cylinders. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, you had mentioned a little bit about talking about guys that didn't rise or fall too drastically. And one of the guys that I wanted to bring up who didn't rise too drastically was Zach Wheeler. He struck out 12 and he rose just one. Now, the reason that I thought and why I agree with this is that it's obviously understandable, in my opinion, that he didn't raise him too much. We already knew that the K upside existed, but it's his inability to do that consistently. Uh, you know, th- these these 10 plus K games are really kind of more treats that you're going to get over the course of a month as something where you're really looking forward to like an eight, nine, 10 K game for him moving forward. Am I, am I in the same line of thinking that you're at there? Yeah, it's well, okay. So recently he's done really, really well with just four seamers, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The slider has never actually taken shape in the way that I wanted it to. Uh, I am happy to see an 18% swing strike rate on that slider. If you remember back in the Mets days, he had, didn't have a single secondary pitch above a 15% swing strike rate. And it's cool that he's embraced it as his you know, primary secondary pitch, which again is one of my favorite phrases. He throws it 25% of the time now. That's great. Uh, but it's for the four-seamer, and the four-seamer is just so, so dominant for Zach Wheeler. I don't really think he's going to be this 30% strikeout rate guy at the same time. I mean, if you look through his games, 12 strikeouts, 10, 7, 8, 6, 9, 6, 6, 4, 10. You know, he's not lacking in them, and that's because he constantly goes deep into games, right? Mm. He has a near 7 IPS yeah. over his last six games. I mean, that's crazy. That's it's You just don't see that often, and it reminds me a bit of Woodruff in this way. Of Zach Wheeler has a fantastic fastball that's allowing him to go deep into games, doesn't have the greatest secondary stuff, but it just doesn't matter. So those that have Zach Wheeler right now, hold on tight. I love what he's doing. I mean, he just had a huge test against Boston and struck out 12 yeah. in 7.1 innings. 
Uh, he's in such a good, great place. And I'm excited for what's ahead. Yeah, I agree. He is a lot of fun to watch right now. Now, the other one that I was kind of interested in and why he didn't fall too much more was Tyler Glasnow in this tier. He fell just two. He's been really bad in the month of May with a 4.81 ERA, 5.58 FIP. Maybe, you know, the Sierra has actually been the, the, the one nice stat for him with a 3.51 Sierra over 24 innings pitched. Are you not concerned? I mean, I was thinking maybe it's time to ramp up that curveball usage again and maybe eschew that slider a little bit more. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that Dunedin is a terrible place to pitch, and that was his last game. Uh, Glasnow had five earned runs in 4.2 innings, only two strikeouts. And outside of that, his previous five games, 10, 10, 8, 11, 10 strikeouts. I mean, that's just never going to end for him. Sure, he, you know, it's the balance that you have between some a guy like Wheeler that will give you good ratios for a lot of volume. Not always with those double-digit strikeouts, right? While Glasnow, you're going to get that constantly. And you'll have these stretches. If you remember the beginning of the year, I mean, his first four games were just a total of two earned runs. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a back and forth through the entire season. He's going to have a slider in half of his games, and he's not going to have it in the other half, and that's okay. So as long as we accept that, it should normalize into what it is right now, which is a 290 array and a .97 whip. Something along those lines. Maybe it's a 3.4 year array. Maybe it's a 110 whip. Who cares? It comes with a 35% strikeout rate. I mean, you should be really happy with Glasnow through the year. Of the two people we know that probably watch the Rays the most is Jason Collette and Yancey Eaton, right? Oh, and yeah. uh, uh, Jason Collette text me something interesting that maybe he was tipping his pitches. You know, it's a, it's a problem that he's had before Tyler Glasnow. That 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 last outing just was really lackluster against the, the Blue Jays, and it was more than Dunedin. It was the, it was the command. It was it was pretty poor. Sure. Uh, for that for that one start, but uh, people listening should at least take comfort in what you just said about that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to turn off my video and that should theoretically help with any streaming problems i know you can't see me i apologize but we want to make sure that this is of quality for people as we move into tier four so what is tier four called and why is it called that oh man tier four is the dreamers i uh, only one of them has an ace is going to ace label that's trevor rogers and i hope i mean i think we're dreaming that he holds it through the entire season right uh, there's a lot of discussion about the AGA label itself about, oh, wait, how could I have Max Freed and Lucas Giolito above Trevor Rogers if I'm calling Trevor Rogers an ace and not Freed and Giolito? Um, just really quickly, that's uh, that's rooted in the idea that I expect Freed and Giolito to have it. And if anybody is going to lose it, it's Trevor Rogers. So mm. I, I, I expect good things from all of these. That's Freed, Giolito, Rogers, Alcantara, Musgrove, and Rodon. I don't think anyone that rosters these guys are going to be disappointed and they're going to love all of them and Giolito just recovered so he deserves to be at 21 now so the one person that I'm actually uh, uh, surprised in the extent that never in a million years will we be having this conversation at the beginning of the year not surprised because of his track record and that's Carlos Rodon right so you don't think there's any concern that theoretically there could be a fall off there it's kind of nuts. Like we, we saw him at the beginning of the year, all of a sudden show up with 94.5 miles per hour. And we're like, whoa, hey, buddy. OK, you know what? Early in the season, we see that sometimes a guy has more velocity and it works right. But he won't hold on to it. In his last start against the Yankees, Carlos Redon, 96.3 on that fastball. Mm. It's still here. He's still being dominant, and that was over six innings. Yeah. And what happens is that now you have a secondary pitch in his changeup that on some days is his primary secondary pitch, right? Yeah. He's choosing that over the slider on, on certain days, and that just becomes better because everybody is so tuned in to an incredible four-seamer. I mean, th- this four-seamer has a 17.5% swing strike rate. Wow. On a fastball. On a fastball that he's using all the time. Oh, 56% usage so far. It's batting average allowed is 160. Is a bad of 212. I mean, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. 61% zone rate. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we saw during peak Lance Lynn. Uh, maybe Garrett Cole, even with his four-seamer. Nutty stuff. And it makes his slider better and his change it better. So it's hard for me to keep ignoring it. And I feel like with every single week, I'm just going to have to constantly keep raising Rodon as long as that fastball velocity is still up. 
Yeah, just some other fun facts about that Rodon, uh, about Rodon in general. Seven starts, given up uh, more than one earned run in just one of those starts, right? Which is unbelievable, that one start where he gave up for. Uh, he has two 10-plus K games right now with definitely the potential for more moving forward. Negative 27 WRC plus on that slider with a 22% swinging strike rate, which is the best of his career. The thing that did give me pause was one of the things you already mentioned, the 216 BABIP on the four-seamer compared to the 305 BABIP overall, and they I mean, he has a 71 BABIP on his slider right now, <laughs> which is unbelievable. But, you know, the thing about BABIP progression, too, is, you know, as we've seen in the past, BABIP progression does not wholly uh, equate to now he's got a five ERA, right? And that I, I wish you were off mute for what are prolific burps they might be. I don't know um, what you're talking about, Fast. You're, just you're live on up. the stream. Uh, what? <laughs> so, yeah, I do want to get that out of the way, as I think sometimes myself included, you bring up Babbitt progression and you think, all right, all the earned runs are coming with it. But A, it's not like it happens all in one game. And B, just because a pitch regresses to the mean in terms of Babbitt doesn't mean all of a sudden it's a terrible pitch and he's a five ERA pitcher. So I don't know if I would quite agree with the ACE is going to ace but that could just be me wanting to hold out like i did with patrick he's Corbin. not there right now that's the thing he's at ace potential at the moment this is oh, why these okay, are the great. dreamers i have not given carlos rudan the aga label but if he consistently keeps doing this you know i have no choice ah gotcha 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 um all right so why don't we move on to tier five what's it called and why is it called that oh no i'm running out of names fast this is where it uh, gets good baby oh uh, man um the okay this is <laughs> This is like the the uh, the breakfast special. Okay, you know, why is that? Because you're on the menu and you're just like, oh, this is what you're looking for. <laughs> you know, when I go to a diner, I'm like, what are the specials for breakfast? Because I want a little, some eggs. I want some yeah, bacon. Yeah, yeah. I want some hash Oh, browns, I've been you know? to Denny's with this man. It's, it's oh, big. it was okay. Denny's had a really nice special. <laughs> it's really, it really. <laughs> it I got like twenty things, and I was like, I don't need all of it, but like, I just want these four. Sir, but... we're gonna have to move you to a bigger table. <laughs> we had a giant table. Oh man, um, that was that was the first day of first pitch Arizona. Yeah, it was yeah, oh, it was. wonderful day. Yeah. Wonderful. Anyway, this is tier five, and it starts with Blake Snell, and I want this to work fast. I mean, he he pitched really well against the the Rockies. I've actually I need to make a small correction. I've been talking about Blake Snell about. You got to get your breaking balls over the zone, right? You got to get them uh, landing for strikes. And actually, Snell's done a good job through the entire year of this, over 35% or hovering that with his slider and curveball, which is pretty much the number we're looking for. But really, the problem has been his changeup. He's been using it a lot and dropping dramatically in its strike rate. And he's losing those strikes that he used to get. Uh, and he needs those back. Either either get, you know, throw better changeups or honestly, I mean, I think Snell can just survive off of four seamers, sliders, and curveballs instead of relying on that changeup a ton. So something's got to be tweaked there. Either just throw a better slow ball or just start throwing the other breakers instead. Yeah, I'm with you on Snell for sure. The other guy that I wanted to talk about on this list is the guy who fell the largest, uh, and that's Zach Plesak. So he falls 10. He goes outside the top 25 to number 33, right? We thought maybe Plesak had figured out after back-to-back zero earned run outings against the White Sox and the Reds. Then he has that no-hitter in Seattle, ends up giving two earned runs in the final frame. Hit hard by the Angels, the defense letting him down a bit against the Twins. I took a look to see, you know, I really try and do my best to not equate the few starts I watch of pitchers with what the entire team is doing. Right. And what I mean by that is I've watched starts from Aaron Savali against the Royals where the defense has entirely let him down. And I was thinking, should this, you know, is this, affecting Plezak? Is it affecting Bieber? Um, And one of the things that I found is actually their infield defense is not as bad as I thought it would be. I think a lot of people would think Lindor leaving would automatically lead to a large plummeting in infield defense in terms of outs above average. It's their outfield that has been just atrocious. Now, obviously, Zach Plezak, not a predominant fly ball pitcher, um, but still, I I thought that was worth noting that, you know, he's been, he hasn't been getting as many ground balls, ground balls, excuse me, I think as he had last year. But yeah, my serve as a shock to some people that that infield defense has not been terrible it's actually been very good that's not a good thing to hear well i mean okay it's not as bad as we thought it was but still here in the outfield defense isn't a great thing i consider that he's missing fewer bats dramatically Mm -hmm. Uh, we're Mm -hmm. talking about a drop on a slider over 10 points on swing striker from an elite 26 percent in 2020 to just 16 
this Oof. season. And his changeup went the other direction as well from 19, which is very good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that changeup to 11.6% so far. Uh, and though that's the real difference to me. Um, he's introduced this curveball, which I think has helped a lot. 64% strike rate, 34% CSW for it, which wasn't really there in the past. Uh, and this is a much improved one. He's using it against lefties, all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's not enough. That slider, I mean, we really, all the discussion about police exit is, look, he has a bad fastball, but Cleveland's known for this. Two really good secondaries. They get through it, and they have success that way. Well, he's not having success with those secondary pitches right now, and hopefully he can recover. Yeah, let's take it a little bit more positively as we're going to talk about a guy who rose, uh, I believe it was 16 spots coming into the top 50 overall at number 35, and that is Alex Wood. Um, mm. Man, you know, I, yeah. I, I I love it. I mean, he has seven consecutive starts with two earned runs or fewer allowed, and finally he gets an offense that is going to allow him to put his name on the map a little bit more, right? Because before everyone was like, ah, it was just Colorado, ah, it was just Miami, ah, it was just Texas. And it was just Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, he did it against all of them. He did it against right. all of them consistently. And he did it against them back to back twice, back to back Miami, back to back Colorado, where the offense usually has the advantage. He's also just doing it with two pitches pretty much, right? He's just going sinker slider. After you break down why you put Alex Wood, where you put him, I'm a little bit curious to get your thoughts too. Are you noticing a little bit more of a resurgence in terms of East to West movement? Because I think maybe we're starting to get away a little bit from north-south, and we're starting to see a little bit more east-west. But before you get into that, why is Alex Wood where he is? So you're saying in general across the league, guys are going more about horizontal bent. Do not talk about it until you talk about Alex Wood, Nick. Well, I, I mean, I didn't know. I was just trying to understand what you were saying. I'm going to flip a table. Uh, yeah, yes, that is what I'm saying. Like, are you going to tease? Okay, okay, all right. Okay, yeah, okay, look, Alex Wood, hi. Hey, what's up, Alex? How are we doing? Alex, Me? Alex. No, Alex Wood. <laughs> okay. All right. Alex Wood is throwing a slider instead of a curveball now. Mm. Um, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's really, really good. 25.5% swing strike rate this year. It's plus percentage, which essentially is every time you throw this pitch, how often does it result in something good for the pitcher? So a foul ball, a CSW, or an out on it is 55%, which is way above average. Normally you see something like 45, 50 or so. That's really, really nice. Uh, from Alex Wood, they're always just helping him out. It's a positive and where thing. where could I find that plus percentage? Oh, that is on the player pages at pitcherlist.com slash player slash Alex hyphen Wood. And look, just search for every player on it. Uh, it's great here uh, on Pitcherlist. We have wonderful player pages now. Uh, but anyway, that slider is, is incredible. And it really does help also that he's throwing 91.8 on his fastball. Uh, that is the highest he's had since 2017. If you remember, 2017 was a really good season for Alex Wood. Uh, now, the major difference is the changeup. He's still throwing it near a quarter of the time, if you can believe it. But its O-swing has dropped dramatically over the years. Back then, when it was really, really effective, when he was with the Dodgers, that was a 47% O-swing. And now it's a 34% O-swing. Not quite the same pitch. 10% swing strike rate, six points lower than what it was. I, I, I kind of hope he can get back to that one. Then I can really believe in Alex Wood. But in the meantime, he's throwing harder, which is good. He has a really, really nice secondary pitch, and he he passed the test. You know, he just took down the Dodgers. Yeah, he had seven strikeouts yesterday against them. I mean, that's what else do you really want to showcase that you can go against good teams? Now he does get the Dodgers again, but I don't know. I'm starting him again. Why not? Right. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm not really too concerned about that. Although you bring up an interesting point that really has me thinking that I'm going to do a, some quick research into while you talk about that east, west, north, south thing about I wonder if because he's pr predominantly going sinker slider, if the changeup utilization is in maybe more two strike counts. And as a result, guys are laying off of it a little bit more. Yeah, that could be I, I maybe the utilization. Yeah, just in general. Right. That's a good point because he has a slider. He can kind of just use all the time. So he doesn't feel like the one oh pitch needs to be a change. It maybe it needs to be a slider now. Mm, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting idea. Uh, definitely go look into it right now. As far as east west movement overall, I have, I don't know if I've necessarily been noticing that. Hmm. I uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, you see guys with change ups all of a sudden they're actually like elite change ups, like say like. Sandy Alcantara or something along those lines, but that's a that's still a north south drop to it. You see the uh, Ian Anderson and Lucas Giolito mentality is starting to spread a little bit too. 
Uh, I don't know. I, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this. Um, I, I, it is something that I feel like I've been noticing a little bit more. I will say this. I, I'm doing this research live, which is kind of fun. He mm-hmm. is throwing that change up the second highest in two strike counts overall. So 26% uh in in two strike counts 26% of the time he's throwing a changeup sure. which is second highest since 2017 which is kind of interesting now oh here's where it's really interesting so i removed three ball two strike counts i removed full counts from the equation because theoretically he wouldn't want to throw a pitch like you'd probably throw his slider a little bit more in full full Something counts he trusts to get a strike out of more. 100% so if we remove that then yes he is throwing his changeup more so than ever in two strike like non-full mm. counts, which makes me believe that guys are spitting at it a little bit more. Um, that is kind of interesting. Yeah. I would think that they would swing more if he's doing that, right? Because that means that they're at their most vulnerable and yeah. not chasing it. Then. I mean, I think that's a good indication of, oh, yeah, he's not executing this the way we want. It's CSW. Can you, What do you think it's CSW is right now, Fast? Overall? Yeah, for no for changeups. So keep in mind, sorry, guys, yeah, changeup but- secondary pitches. You well, you're aiming for about a thirty percent or so on a secondary pitch. Uh, changeups, I believe, kind of hover around that twenty nine thirty percent, right? So maybe not, a little bit higher, but not count dependent is what I meant. Just like overall yeah, yeah, change just, of yeah, CSW. Overall, yeah, yeah. So your shock leads me to believe, and the lack of O swing that he's getting means maybe a lack of swinging strike. So maybe like 22, 23? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventeen. Wow. Yeah, that's bad for your 23% usage pitch. Yeah, not, not great, not, not Bob. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do think, to answer your question, I feel like it, maybe it is just a recency bias, but I feel like, I mean, Dustin May was sort of doing this a little bit. I have been noticing that there are more kind of East-West guys moving where, it, it, you know, it, it's funny. I It brings up a really interesting question about what the more effective utilization of tunneling would be, right? If I think of North-South, I think of, let's say, fastball, curveball, right? With a fastball just going straight up and a curveball going into the dirt. And I wonder if the sinker slider or if the change-up slider is the newest iteration or breed of that right mm. and and what that could mean for pitching going forward uh it, it, it's going to be something interesting to keep track of for sure absolutely uh and last note about that change up it might be he's getting a lot of grounders on a 78 percent ground ball rate only an eight percent wow rate and the BABIP is actually low normally you see the high ground ball rate it'd be higher than 250 but that's what it is for wood so far on it so maybe there's something to that maybe he's throwing this uh in such a way that he's getting grounders on it uh, and that's being effective for for wood. Yeah, but the fact that, you know, I was thinking about intent there and the fact that he's throwing it more in two strike counts than ever before means that maybe he doesn't like I, I wonder what he's what he's trying to do there. If he's just right. trying to get that strike out and he knows, hey, even if they make contact, they're just going to get weak contact. It's interesting. It's a really interesting oh, yeah. question, but we have to get this pedantic with a guy who has three pitches you know what i mean like yeah, well, this is, of course absolutely this is this is really it for him but that was a lot of conversation about alex wood we have plenty of other guys that we got to be talking about today tier six what is it called and why is it called that tier six. Oh man um this is so hard fast okay wait you can do wait, it wait i know i i got i have it in my head <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a certain person that i'm thinking of um i'll read out the people in no, tier six while I mean, you think of a name Sure. Yeah, please. Charlie Morton, Kyle Hendricks, Corey Kluber, so a bunch of olds, Jose Barrios, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, and Dylan Bundy. Uh, they're called. This tier is called Joey. <laughs> like, like from like from Friends. Yeah, because they try to make it a show after, and they're yeah. like, "No, you're successful. You have name value. You're sure. gonna do well." I thought you were maybe thinking of like a young kangaroo, but actually no. yours is yours is even better. Yeah. That's really, really nice. And it actually is quite fitting. It really makes sense. And it's exactly why I wanted you to make these up on the spot. Um, why don't we, you know, so Steven Strasburg returns are at 42 just because we don't know how long he's going to be here. Well, he's throwing only nine, actually through 91.8 in that first start back. And if you think of Steven Strasburg, do you think of him as like a low 90s soft tosser? No, but he might have to be moving forward. I know, right? Uh, it's it's very conflicting to me. Is it can he survive like that? He was throwing about ninety four in two thousand nineteen. I'm not going to count two thousand twenty, I uh, because obviously that was just a lost year for sure. Strasburg. And I I wonder, yeah, can he survive with just a curveball changeup and a ninety two mile per hour fastball? I don't know. Um, I imagine people also think that 
Patrick Corbin should be farther down than 41. Mm. Uh, I want to really, really focus on the uh, the Strasburg. Sorry, the the Corbin I saw over the weekend against the Orioles. He allowed 11 hits and it was wild and um, it was crazy. I should say he wasn't as wild as we've seen. And in April, the main struggles with Corbin, he wasn't getting slider whiffs and he wasn't. I uh, he didn't have the fastball velocity. It was like 90, 91. Patrick Corbin had a 92.8 mile per hour fastball on Sunday. Mm. Think about that. That is the hardest he's thrown all year. And he had nine whiffs on that slider as well. Really good located uh, breaking balls. It's just the fastball locations weren't ideal. Um, and I really feel like the skills are there now. And that little tweak. Oh, wait, that's something that Corbin has dealt with before. And that's not what the issues were before. Um, and I feel that with that velocity and the the break and command of that slider Corbin should be way better moving forward okay so that's a good point you're saying all the individual pieces are there and there's great evidence for that by that velocity alone so now yeah. it's just a matter of getting the command putting it all together yeah it was just the fastball locations weren't ideal against the, against your Orioles and it fell apart I think he got really unlucky in that start too um, if everyone's thinking oh it's just that one star from Corbin I'm like no 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 I'm not that stupid, guys. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot more to this. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to tier seven. What's it called? And why is it called that? Oh, man. That man. Oh, so many names. We have 13 tiers. I know, man. Uh, you gotta, what is you better, this one? You better get used to it. Okay. Um. All right. I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a sophomore album. Okay. Um, <laughs> because, like, you... you, you you love the debut, and then you hear the second one when they change their sound and stuff, and you're thinking, like, I think this is good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big you fan of that. You don't quite know. if, Big like, fan. You, you know, because so we have Marcus Stroman and Domingo Herman, Zach Greinke, Kyle Gibson, Shane McClanahan, and Yusei Kikuchi. Okay? So... <laughs> Are we going to have to do this every week? Okay. Oh, I, are you kidding me? You're giving me gold here, Jerry. Gold. <laughs> I love this. So, I mean, I can explain why really quickly. With Strowman, um, he had to use a splitter a lot in that last start. His fastball wasn't as good. But, hey, it worked. One, seven whiffs, uh, I think, like 19 or 20 thrown, which is cool. Domingo Herman is kind of doing good things. That's great. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last. But I think, yeah, I think he's good. Uh, Zach Greinke just threw eight innings and eight strikeouts, and it was glorious. And we got to hope that that sticks around. Kyle Gibson, I'm so sorry, Fast, but there's just no way that this survives. It's been like, fun. It has been, right? It's it's a wonderful Vargas rule, but we're talking like sub-230 Babips on his fastball. Yeah. And, no. and he's a ground ball guy with it, and... It seems very strange. We can say, oh, he's just getting so much weak contact. But how many times have we made the argument about a pitcher earning weak contact and it actually being sustainable forever? Totally. Yeah. He very much is the epitome of the Vargas rule, right? Because the Vargas, we we might have to change the name to the Gibson rule because the whole thing was Vargas was so sustained, right? It was so long. It's just starting to catch on fast. No, we can't change it now. Okay. Uh, But yeah, Gibson, I don't think that's going to last. But hey, I'll keep raising him as long as it lasts, I guess. Shane McClanahan just threw five innings, which is great. But the Rays seem intent to not let him go third time through the lineup yet. And it's frustrating because he only threw 67 pitches. He could have gone the sixth. You know, and he survived Dunedin, but all right, I guess we're just going to hold him at 48 until they say, all right, fine, Shane, go and do that. And then you see Kikuchi still going multiple, like seven inning starts here and throwing 96 with cutters and sliders over the plate, like for strikes in a good way. Uh, So I want to be encouraged by Kikuchi as well. We'll just see what happens. Yeah, I was happy to see the the Granky turnaround for a little bit because I still like I don't know, man. He just seems I have so much difficulty trusting him each week. It's a little scary for me. What? What's wrong? I'm just I I, I know that I, like after I say things, all I'm doing now is just focusing on the name of the next tier. This is what oh wow yeah, yeah yeah I saw I lost you for a second here. I was afraid that I cut out, but I didn't. <laughs> you cut out because you were thinking about what you have to do, which is name the next tier, and this is a big one. So we have Tyone, Luis Castillo, Chris Bassett, Frankie Monta, Zach Eflin, Andrew Heaney, Madbum, Chris Paddock, Jordan Montgomery, Adbert Alzale, and Sean Manaya in what is known as the what tier? The midlife crisis tier. <laughs> Is that because you're having one trying to name these tiers? Or yes, because no, these? no, because you, you just don't know what you're doing with your life. Okay. Uh, you know, Jameson Tyone, uh, it's funny because he 
drops nine points after having one of his better starts. And everyone is going to be upset at that. But then, of course, everyone should understand that I don't, you know, I'm, I, I'm different where I don't care much about results as much. I care about the process. And mm-hmm. with Tyone, he did not have his breaking balls at all. Like curveball and slider were not working against the White Sox. Uh, I think it's part of the reason why they did not trust him to go out for the sixth inning because he was only 80 pitches and they were like, no, 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 you third time through the lineup in full, like you are not going to survive with with how bad your curveball and slider have been today. And I, we really haven't seen the slider take shape. I was encouraged uh, about three, four starts ago with Tyone's curveball and he really started trusting it against lefties and really expressed like, oh yeah, this really good curveball. I'm going to throw this more like this. And then it just hasn't really stuck around. So I needed to pull him down. Because unless something changes, unless he really takes that stuff forward, which I do think through the season he will. That's why he's still at 50. Um, but right now, it's not the best. Uh, yeah. My my biggest issue with Tyone was I, I just still firmly thought, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, I, I understand that they wanted to get that fourth seam going, and the fourth seam has not really been the problem. But the reason I bring it up is I believe yesterday, for the first time in the season, he threw some sinkers. And I wonder if then that will be a part of the game plan moving forward or if that was just a blip on the radar. It was not a lot. I think it was like under it was like five. It wasn't a lot, but they were clear sinkers. Uh, And I'm curious to see if that's going to be a game plan for him moving forward. He's another guy who a lot of first pitch curveballs for him and really not doing well. Like usually on first pitch curveballs, you want to have a the CSW, I think, is pretty high in terms of league average i think it's like above 40 percent because a lot of it's and that's mostly called strike dependent because a lot of guys just aren't expecting it and yeah he's got a 36 percent, which sounds high but it's way below league average and it's getting hit pretty hard i still feel like you know he's just a guy that we're just kind of waiting for him to put things together but the command just hasn't really been there for him and it hasn't it's been more stressful to watch than anything uh one thing i wanted to ask you tyone castillo montas who rank them uh, at the end of the year who in august do you think what order will they be in in august castillo tyone montas okay interesting very interesting yeah. and then well, the last what would person- you do what would you do um yeah i think i might go castillo montas tyone solely because i wouldn't be surprised if the yankees after like 140 innings were like okay that might be it oh interesting okay that, that's a really good point um yeah, I, I'm I'm basing that more on that I think moron that that that's the way you looked down when you realized it. You're like the way a moron, a moron. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Tyone uh, should improve his secondary stuff. I don't have as much faith that Montas will get his splitter and slider back. Okay, that's very fair. The last person I want to talk about in this tier is a guy who. Really had a very good start uh, this past week in Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery put out this tweet earlier today. Second best CSW pitch in the majors, a minimum of 175 thrown. Uh, Aaron Nola's curveball over 44% and Jordan Montgomery's curveball is a 43.5%. Wow. Which is pretty ridiculous. Uh, third is Wasker Noah's slider, by the way. Rip. Uh, that he threw over 300 times. And if you're wondering how he was so effective, well, there you go. That, that was it. Um, but uh, but Jordan Montgomery's really come into his own. I think the last uh, two of his last three starts have come uh, with massive success. I uh, really understanding change up curveball four seamer. I think that's the thing that he's nailing down of right. I can do the Blake Snell blueprint. I can can elevate with four seamers and have, go down with this change up and, and curveball. Both those pitches, change up and curveball, can miss lots of bats too. Um, I'm kind of digging this. It's uh, I, I was asking earlier in the season, what is going to be that pitch from Jordan Montgomery, right? What is going to be the the go-to secondary offering? And it's been really nice to see that curveball turn into that pitch for him. It wasn't earlier on, and it's developed into that. Uh, so I feel a lot more confident in Jordan Mott now. I do like the fact that the Yankees feel comfortable throwing him for six-plus innings as well. Uh, they're not terrified of the third time through the lineup anymore. And as long as he's efficient, which he has been lately... Jormont can be a solid ad. I mean, he can be a number four, number five for your fantasy teams. Yep. 
I'm I, another guy that's just like, man, if he can put it all together, it's just so much fun to watch. We got to keep going. We're going to burn through these. We've got so many other pictures yeah, I want to talk about here. We a little bit long on this podcast. There it is. I lay it down and you knock it out. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right. Tier nine. What's it called? And why is it called that? Oh, no. I forgot about this. Oh, God. All right. Um, this one, what it, we got Shohei Otani. Uh, who, who's in this fast? Shohei Otani, Rich Hill, Christian Javier, Dallas Keuchel, Dylan Cease, JT Brubaker, Eduardo Rodriguez, Spencer Turnbull, James Caprielian, and Matthew Boyd. It's the reruns. Okay, go ahead. Okay, because they're just they're kind of safeish, and like, all right, I guess I'll this will work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're eating dinner and you like at six thirty, and like, all right, it's an episode of The Simpsons. I've watched this one, but sure, I need something as I watch dinner. Oh. And Dallas Keuchel for the next uh, four starts are just glorious for him. And I know people are going to say, what, he hasn't pitched well recently. Actually, if you watch that, actually, uh, if you, <laughs> you know, if you watch the the Yankees start over the weekend, it was only four innings, but he was really good at hovering the shadow zone with all his pitches. And that is prime Keiko to me. And against teams that are not the Yankees who are notoriously patient at the plate, I think Keiko can really, really exploit a lot of teams the next four starts. That's why he goes up 24 points. Uh, and then you have like Rich Hill, who's still kind of doing good things at JT Brubaker. I know everyone's upset about the last two starts, but now he gets two really good ones and you want to start him for that. So, yeah, yeah. reruns. I want to talk a little bit about JT Brubaker because we got a comment on, on Twitter about him. And, you know, you can go ahead and I don't know if it's I got another person that I researched a lot, but a little bit. There's a little bit sure. of research that went okay. into JT Brubaker. I, I don't have the soundboard set up for this fast. Wow. Brutal. Um, okay, he, fell se- right. <laughs> he fell 17 from 49 to 66, by the way. And uh, as you said, the past few starts have been really bad. The home run problems, the home run problems uh, have uh, <laughs> they've really stuck around and they're not oh, great man. to see. Yeah. 1.82 home run per nine. Not sustainable, though. No, it was the 26 percent home run to fly ball yeah, rate that's now xfip says he should be around 355 but this is my problem exactly with xfip brubaker clearly has an issue with the long ball and while he could positively regress he's not going to regress to league average right it's just sure. not going to be who he is I, I usually am really excited about a guy who has ramped up slider usage but i don't know if maybe brubaker is maybe going to that slider a little bit too much um or if maybe he's not utilizing it properly he's got to get it out of the zone a little bit more savant has him as around a 41% uh, zone rate. I know Fangraphs has that a little bit higher, but no pitcher has a worse WOBA on in-zone sliders than JT Brubaker. I mean, that pitch is like, it's like a, it's the only one that's above 500. It's got like a 520-something WOBA when it's in the zone, and he's doing that a lot. So he's really got to get that out of the zone a little bit more, I think, if he wants to keep having success with what he's doing. I I, I mean this in the very best of way fast. Mm-hmm. Um. That all that discussion, I mean, in my head, I'm just like, well, I mean, he gets Rocket Road in Miami next, so who cares? <laughs> yep, that's a good point. I, I mean, that's totally <laughs> I'm valid. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I mean, if your that, excuse uh, was I was thinking of what to call the next tier, then I would have been a lot more. Yeah, upset. there, there we go. Okay, no, but seriously, it's with JT Brubaker. You're completely right. Um, he has to use a slider too much because there just isn't so much in the repertoire for him. You know, it, it, it's a fastball that's fine. You know, sometimes he gets that sinker going and he's able to get a lot of grounders with it, okay, and pair that with the slider. And that's, if you remember us talking about him last year, it wasn't someone that we ever considered to be really a top 65 guy or something, right? Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, no, this is someone that no one cares about. And those are the ones we get most excited about. Like, oh, there is some value that we can maybe stream him every so often, and that's it. And all of a sudden now, yeah, here he is inside the top 70 and he's dropped 17 spots, you know, and it's like, oh, man, everything's terrible. Like, no, 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 this is still kind of the same guy. Yeah. I uh, And yeah, he's not as good as before. But no, we're so comfortable starting for Rocky Road and then hosting the Miami Marlins. That's really good. Is, am I going to start him for the Dodgers after that? Absolutely not. Uh, the Washington Nationals, maybe after. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty unlucky to see. Brubaker allows seven hits and seven earned runs because it was essentially three efficient home runs yeah. by by Atlanta, and that was that. So we don't really expect that, um, and he should be good for the next two starts. So I feel for you for the last week you've dealt with Brubaker. That was a terrible two-start week. I am so sorry. But hey, now now it should be pretty good. You ever see 2001 A Space Odyssey? Of course. Yeah, you remember that part at the end where Dave's going into the monolith and then his face keeps flashing in and you like see it like in like in, in like images of terror. I keep wanting to just turn my camera on, do one of those and then just turn it off again. Go just, ahead. Like, oh, oh my god. Oh my god. That was 
was terrifying. I know it's a yeah, podcast, yeah. but that was terrifying. <laughs> it cracks me up. All right. Oh Spencer Turnbull, fall, uh, he rises 11 from 79 to 68. You know, I, I feel like you might have to take, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you should take a a, a, a small victory lap here. I think you've been talking for a while. Throw more sliders, throw more sliders, throw more sliders, right? And yeah. here he is, and he's throwing a career-high 25% sliders. Uh uh, it, it's uh, coming at the expense of sinkers. Twenty percent swing strike rate he put up on the pitch is uh, sticking. Uh, excuse me, he put up a twenty percent swing strike rate last year on the slider. It's sticking. It's at nineteen percent this year. Fifty five percent zone rate and a forty percent O swing, making it a money pitch. Cha-ching! There you go. Wonderful. Um, now I I I just reached out to someone about this too. He actually is throwing a cutter. He's throwing a cutter now, okay. which I think could right. be benefiting this- that slider. So it is actually a cutter because I've been saying that just as four seamer that's been classified as such has a lot of cut action. I it, mean, it was is a cutter. Ninety four. Okay. I mean, it, it was glorious against the uh, against the Mariners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was very lucky. Like, I think it was a clear streaming pick of the day. I don't think anyone looking at the list of pitchers and really thinking about sub twenty percent would have said otherwise. But hey, I you know I streamed a no hitter fast. It, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And what I have been saying about Spencer Turnbull is essentially just don't throw the sinker as much. You know, he's had many starts where that was his primary heater, and that's just not as good. Um, And it was more of, hey, I need you to throw, like, focus on your slider and curveball and get one of those going. Turnbull recognized that his curveball wasn't as good as a slider. I mean, we didn't really know which one would take shape, and it's the slider. And that's great. He's still only doing those two, though, the four-seamer, or maybe the cutter involved, too, and the... Uh, slider at 75% of the time. And it does sound very high. And I'm happy that it's 75, not 50%. But those are his two good pitches. Or I guess now it's three, you're saying. He needs to, I don't like the other 25%. <laughs> yeah. And it's, oh, it's so close. Oh my God, that's terrifying fast. <laughs> fast is flashing his face every so often. And I don't know what is more terrifying, that or the subscription no- noise on Twitch, which is uh, me yeah, making a, a giant kathunk sound. Oh, but it makes me uh, laugh. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, so Spencer Turnbull now has another good start ahead. I'm all for that. He's at 68. And it's actually kind of similar to James Caprellian at 69 because Caprellian gets the Mariners twice if he's lucky. And that's the only reason why he's here. I don't expect him to last very long as he should be out of the rotation once Luzardo is back. Mm. But I'm starting cap against the Seattle Mariners easily. Oh, the team that's been no hit almost three times this year? Yeah. So, uh, wait, what was the other time, Fast? Please, Zach. Oh, no, no. Means was the... yeah, but the, yeah, means no hit them once. That was the joke because you're an Orioles fan. Oh, 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 oh! I thought you were saying who, who but now yeah. I forgot who was the second person who no hit them. Oh, it was Turnbull. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You're doing great here. <laughs> you sound just like an old married couple, you know. Wait. Oh no, I didn't say that. Yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> oh my God! Hi, welcome to the On the Corner Podcast. I hope you enjoy your stay here. I having a fun one. Yeah, yeah, we're, oh, we're having a great time. Um, um, yeah, move on to tier, tier ten. What's it called? Uh, who's in this? You What's it called? Why is it called some, that? You gotta give me some runway by listing off the players, okay? Okay, I'll list off the players and I'll give you a second to Thank think you. about what it should be called. Uh, tier ten is not a lot of players. Michael Pineda, Anthony Discofani, Brady Singer, Adam Wainwright, and Justin Dunn. Okay, this is um, I. <sighs> Oh no! <laughs> Lunch meat. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> this is it's why. like me. It's like you know you're at the cafeteria and you're going. You know we got your tray. And you're like this is what it is today, and here it is. Slot me. And you're like, ah, I guess this is what I'm having today. You know, uh, so, okay. I hope people listening enjoy this because there's no way Nick ever lets me do this ever again. But Never. God, do I love I'm it? Not, I'm just gonna think of those same things again. Uh, yeah. So, like Tony Disco is here, and it's you don't want to start him against the Dodgers, but you're gonna probably hold on to him because I mean it's like the Toby tier almost. You know, you're gonna hold on to him because you don't really want to throw him back for the wire because you like what's after that. Justin Dunn is actually kind of exciting. He's throwing 94-95 and has two secondary pitches that get whiffs. Um, but, you know, well, it's, it's not quite there yet. Huh. Get, get yeah. whiffs. You know, n- neither pitch has oh, a yeah. swing strike rate above 15%. Is that right? Yeah, neither That's, of them. Not recently, then. 
because recently I think they've combined for about eight to nine in each start. Um, interesting. Yeah. Overall, the, I think the highest was the slider at 14. I think the curveball okay. only had like a 12, but it it's, does have the seventh best Woba in baseball. That interest that curveball. Interesting. It almost sounds like you, it's another person you researched a lot. It was. It was. Uh, but we don't. We're not going to go too in depth because we're running out of time. But yeah, he he. I think what scares me is he's been really. BABIP dependent. He has a 187 career BABIP. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, he is, he also seems like, as you mentioned, another Toby that is like, but also kind of surprising that like with those two, those breaking pitches look nice. That curveball and that slider sure. look nice. And it is surprising to me that neither of them are getting as many swings and misses as you would think. So maybe, maybe this upturn that you, that you, that you speak of uh, could be, could so, portend okay. good things I, I, for him. I want to talk about the last four starts uh, okay. for uh, for Dunn. Justin Dunn, right? Um, against your Orioles, his curveball had a 20% swing strike rate with seven whiffs across 35. Slider wasn't there, but that's, that's what I'm trying to get at is it's really one of the two mm. generally is a pitch that he can lean on, okay? Then he went against the Dodgers, and it's the Dodgers. I don't expect anything from, from Dunn. Fine. It was four out of 33 on that curveball, and we're not going to talk about that. Then he got Detroit and took full advantage. Had 10 whiffs across both his slider and curveball. Um, that combined for about, I want to say, a 22-23% swing striker between them. And then his most recent start against San Diego, his slider went 5 for 14 on whiffs. Uh, that's a 35, sorry, 36% uh, swing striker. I think there is indications here of him trying to figure out on a per-start basis which is the one that's working, slider mm-hmm. or curveball. And meanwhile... He's up to over 94 on this on this fastball now. I mean, we were excited seeing like 91 and change, and then it was, oh, wait, all of a sudden now it's 93.8, and it was 94.5 in that last start. Are you, when you're looking at those whiffs, I imagine you're looking at game, are you looking at our player pages? Are you looking at baseball savant breakdowns or what? Our, our player pages. Okay. And okay. And we, I'm trying to think of if there's any disparity in how foul tips are accounted for, which could lead oh, to that any. Be. Yeah. Yeah. That that's could possible. be interesting. But either way, that's great to see. And he's definitely trending in the right direction. Real quick, we're going to move into tier 11. Uh, Scooble, Richards, Canning, Garcia, Dunning, and Eovaldi. What's it called? And why is it called that? Oh, God. Um, <clears throat> um, Rugrats. Okay. Because a lot of young guys and, you know, you kind of like them. You know, but you're like, you're not fully done yet. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's exactly what I think when I watch the rug. Yeah, you know, you're not adults. We can't treat you like the normal people. Sure. You know? Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite rug rat? I mean, come on. It's Chuckles. Chucky? It's Chuckles. Who's Chuckles? He's to me, he's he's Tommy Chuckles. Oh. Tommy Pickles? Oh my god, you just mixed fifteen <laughs> rug rats together. There's oh, did Chucky I? Oh my god. And Tommy Pickles. That's amazing. Yeah, that yeah, Chucky. It's, yeah. it's Chucky. It's Chucky. I, I do love the notion that there was some horrifying <laughs> rug rat named Chuckles who was like a little <laughs> clown child who was like six oh years old in clown makeup. Like naked I'm Chuckles. Um all right, great. Um Wow, please do that every podcast. <laughs> okay, for sure. So Garrett Richards is the biggest follower inside of this tier, but he's kind of like regressing to I think where we thought he was going to be. Is that correct? Uh, okay, so Garrett Richards. Th- this is so conflicting and terrible and good and terrible. So Garrett <laughs> it Rich- is conflicting, yeah. Okay, so so Garrett Richards just had a really good start. He survived Dunedin. You would think like, oh, we're getting more encouraged. He's on this really nice stretch. There's two problems. One, uh, Garrett Richards does not have a slider. And if you think about how Richards has had his success over the years, it's been heavily reliant on a fantastic slider that he throws over a quarter of the time. That pitch has just been gone the last four games or five. And it's really frustrating because he throws four seamers over the strike zone effectively now with confidence. And that was a problem for before too erratic and trying to nibble too much and being inefficient. Richards is actually doing a great job with that fastball. And it's a success successful pitch. It's just, we need that slider now to actually take that next step. So fine. Maybe I'd be encouraged that, if you have a nice schedule ahead, then I would go after that. Well, schedule. Oh, my Lord. Garrett Richards has such a poor schedule ahead. Let me let me list this off for you, okay? Mm-hmm. I Garrett Richards, as, of course, I look at the Angels, and I still think that Garrett Richards is an angel. He is not. Yeah. He gets Atlanta. Then he gets Houston, and then the Yankees, and then Toronto. I, I, don't, I don't want any of that. that. That's horrible. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm out on Garrett Richards. It's it's unfortunate, but with a guy that does not have his best pitch working for him against four 
I'd say tier one and or tier two. Uh, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, yeah, that's very understandable. Um, all right, so tier 12 I want to move into because there's a guy that rose, uh, I believe it was nine spots, who I think you maybe are changing your opinion about a little bit. I'm going to read off the people in tier nine so you can tell me uh, what it's called and why it's called that. And then I want you to talk a little bit more about Casey Mize. So it's Stephen Matz, Cole Irvin, Casey Mize, Herman Marquez, John Gray, David Peterson, Austin Gomber, Logan Gilbert, and Drew Smiley. And you can't just call it the Rockies tier. <laughs> uh oh man i want to like i want to call it like the homers club okay because like you, know, you can only allow one <laughs> yeah but not multiple <laughs> yes. um and it's just like i guess you made it into this one while the other guys in like tier 13 are not you know mm-hmm. it's like some for some reason i'm like all right fine i'll accept this one <laughs> and this is the one guy on my team that i'm like oh fine okay <laughs> Uh, so Casey Mize, um, he looked as good as I've seen him all year in that last start against Kansas City. Mm. Uh, fastballs were good around the edges. Sliders were in the zone and getting whiffs. While his splitter, while it didn't get the, you know, wasn't the overwhelming whiff pitch we wanted to be, he located it well and got outs with it too. And that's that's fine with me. You know, it's not the overwhelming, oh my God, Casey Mize is amazing. But if he can do that consistently, he'll be you know jumping up the list every single week. Yeah, that that you know, it's funny too. Guys like Casey Mize, we need to remember these guys are really young. They still have that prospect pedigree for a reason, so they're going to figure things out theoretically at some point. So this could be a, a, a nice start for him. I want to talk a little bit about John Gray, who rises ten to number eighty six. First of all, it cracks me up that his home road splits are completely reversed. I know right? it, it, it was it's, it's unbelievable been the story for years. It's unbelievable. We, we always I remember throwing it out. Like in 2018, like that's not good. That's not a thing. That can't be a thing. And it is. And it's so funny because I remember Yankees fans were always like, let's trade for John Gray, get him out of cores. But here he is. I mean, listen, the, the, the home sample size is much bigger uh, at 42 innings pitched, but a 2.36 ERA at home with a 6.89 over just three starts, 15 and two thirds innings pitched on the road. What's interesting is that fast. It seemed like, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it was 2019 that he got sent down to the minors and then made some changes and then came back. That's Right. Yeah. So he's been doing some interesting things with that fastball that started last year and have seemed to come over to this year. He's getting more run on that fastball than ever before. Now, there was a big jump between 19 and 20, and that jump has sustained between 20 and 21 and gotten even larger. Uh, But it's been interesting to see there hasn't really been a stretch for Gray where his fastball and slider were consistently working. Can you name the last season? in which John Gray posted a positive P-Val on both his slider and his fastball. 2015. Never. He has That's never done fair. it. Yeah, That's it not fair. That's not fair. Yes, fast. it is. It's fair. It's fair. Yes, it is. Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> he's never. That, that was a little bit shocking to me that he's never been able to post positive P-Vals on both of those pitches. I think this change he started to make on that four-seamer last year is kind of clicking a little bit. He's. This is the first time ever he's recorded a uh, wrc plus below 100 which means it's better than league average ever on his four seamer that's that's kind of interesting to me yeah yeah that's great i mean it does also well okay everyone's like oh new ownership in uh colorado and they're going to trade away marquez and john gray well okay they're not going to trade away marquez because he has a very team-friendly contract and the hardest thing to acquire in colorado is starting pitching that's not what they're going to trade away. It's easy. You know, people want to sign with Colorado if you're a hitter, but not if you're a pitcher, right? Now, John Gray, though, is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. However, what you're talking about is he's better in cores than on the road. Uh, so that's going to be kind of interesting, right? If they do deal John Gray, which we all expect him to do, does that make you not interested in John Gray? I don't know. It's, you know... The, the the Colorado conundrum is something I think about quite frequently. Ooh, the Colorado that, conundrum. Well, think about it like this, right? It's your, people it's like, your fourth album. <laughs> people like, you know, playing out of the park, right? And, and thinking about what it would be like if they joined a front office. And dealing with Colorado, like, you are never going to be able to change atmospherically, right? Sure. And the problems that come along with that. And as a result, you are a team on an island and how you are going to approach analytics. And I wonder if... 
fastballs with a lot of run, more run than usual, right? Uh, if that is in some way associated with trying to fix whatever that problem would be there, right? Now, obviously, Colorado is going to, you know, prevent movement in all shapes and forms. But, you know, is this John Gray figuring out how to best pitch and cores you know the idea i mean from what we've heard about colorado is that they aren't the uh at the forefront of analytics i mean this is we no. don't truly know but uh the idea that no we know own, <laughs> yeah okay well, as long as you know we the, the idea that there is some secret analytics society of colorado figuring out their own unique system i don't know if i can get into that oh no no no! i'm yeah. I'm just saying if that was us you know what i mean well that's what uh, i like I daydream about like if i was like if if, if gm came society. to me <laughs> and said hey you're the skulls but for colorado uh, yeah. analytics yeah, like yeah. what would you do it's very interesting to me to think what about would you stuff. call yourself if i was what the skulls of the colorado rockies if i was the lone like analytics person in colorado what would i call myself yeah like the secret society yeah miserable that's what i'd call myself if i was lay miz that would be the society that's amazing all right nick you, you did it you made it through all all the tiers so far no, this is no, the I've, final tier yeah okay yeah, this yeah. Is the final tier i'm saying you yeah, made yeah. it and you made it to this point to the final sure. boss okay so you have to tell us the name of this tier and why you named it that it's vince velasquez tyler anderson cordy potit alex cobb Quen young kim mike minor johnny cueto uh j.a hat matt shoemaker and nick pavetta i'm sorry who is 93 cody potit <laughs> um this is the macgyver tier Oh, very nice. Why? This, well, because you're just trying to figure it out. Okay. You're like, oh god, I got nothing. I gotta get. I gotta get something out of here. Um, and Potit, for example. Well, maybe you do want to stream him once. <laughs> that's about it. I mean, that's it for all these guys. You know, they a lot of them are new here because uh, it was just a question of all right. I guess I'll start Cueto in a very good situation if there is one. You know, and that's that's about it. Nick Pavetta is at 100 though. And his, just like Garrett Richards, is terrible. But I, got, I, I had no one else. So I got a bone to pick with you on that. I think there needs to be a new rule about position number 100. Because as someone who has made two or three starting pitcher lists, I know that the number 100 spot is actually filled with hope. And it really should be. And I well, don't think you should. With hope. But I don't think you should ever be allowed to have a guy go from a negative to 100. Oh, that needs to be a new guy every week. It doesn't need to be a new. Yeah, I guess theoretically it might a yeah, new guy or or a or a or a sustained guy. I no, I think maybe okay. it does well, need to be a new guy. Problem. To be honest, here's the problem: is there was no new guy of hope. <laughs> like the new guys of hope are higher up. There's Austin Gomber at 88. There, there's Caprielian at 69. Right? Like I'm not Caprellian. I keep messing up that name. I Nick Pavetta is of hope. All right, he is throwing 95, and he's he's able to consistently put his curveball and slider down, then he will have success and strike out a good amount of guys. He has a really terrible schedule, though, and I'm not actually doing this, but there's hope. I guess you could have done Alex Manoa, but we just still have no No, idea. No, that's against the rules. That's against the rules of the list. Okay, well, I just established a new rule, and I never want to see a negative next to that 100 ever again. I will say I was a little shocked, too, that I feel like usually the 90s are populated by higher upside younger guys. There so just interesting. There's yeah. none to choose. Yeah. You know? It's just that situation. I mean, I feel like there. I say this often. There are ebbs and flows of the waiver wire, mm. and we are in one of the uh, one of the valleys. There's ebbs. There's flows. There's valleys. There's... <laughs> Well, you know this. There's, there's, there's peaks and valleys. Yeah, so yeah we're, I know. We're, we're in a valley right now, and it's gonna, you know, gonna become a peak in about two, three weeks. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I'm also, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm well, with you good. in heart. I'm, I'm with, with you, you in spirit. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you in all ways. Yeah, um, live streaming on on Twitch right now. Yeah, yeah, except on video, which is going mm, to change next sad. week when we come back. It will be you and I in the same room, and we will oh, have yeah. no connectivity issues. No. Uh, except the only connectivity issue we'll have is how much connectivity we have and what to do with all that excess. Um, all right, that is going to do it for episode number two sixty of On the Corner, the official. Pitcherless.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.